Faith in Jesus Christ is not the first thing that our catechism talks about. Think about that. Faith in Jesus Christ is not the first thing that our catechism talks about. No, it is question 90 that teaches us that it's through faith in Christ that we escape God's wrath and curse. And it is question 91 that defines what faith in Jesus Christ is. And here is the point I'm making. It is impossible to understand what faith in Christ is apart from these more foundational truths that we have considered in Baptist Catechism questions 1 through 89. In brief, we have learned about God, the Scriptures, man, sin, and of God's plan of redemption. We have learned what it is that God requires of us and of our guilt before Him. And we have learned what it is that our sin deserves. And so if we wish to know what faith in Jesus Christ is and why it is required, then we must understand these other doctrines too. And here is the reason I'm emphasizing this. I I am afraid that men and women, boys and girls, are often exhorted to believe in Jesus and even to be baptized, but without being instructed in these other doctrines at all. I think it's a big problem in the modern church in particular. To have faith in Jesus Christ, one must also know who God is, who man is, what God requires of us that we have sinned, and what our sins deserve. All of these truths must be established before we can understand why it is important that we have faith in Jesus Christ. I think what I'm concerned with is uh, these billboard presentations of the gospel that you often see. Uh, these church marquee uh, presentations of the gospel, you, you, you know what I'm talking about here, where in a line or two, people are exhorted to trust in Jesus. I mean, yes, people need to be exhorted to trust in Jesus. But whenever I read those one-line presentations of the gospel, I immediately think to myself, people will not have a clue as to what that means. Who is Jesus? Why must I trust in him? Why is he able to do anything for me? And so what I'm trying to demonstrate to you here in this brief introduction is that our catechism presents the gospel to us carefully, rather slowly, over a long period of time, establishing the most foundational truths before we are exhorted uh, to have faith in Jesus Christ and before faith in Jesus Christ is even defined. I think it is a much better approach. uh, in gospel proclamation to go about it this way. It takes longer, it takes more patience, But the truth is this, if people are being called by God to repentance, they'll be willing to consider these truths carefully and over time. They'll be willing to have foundations like these uh, laid for them. So what does our sin deserve? Uh, Back to that question, question 89 speaks the truth when it says, Every sin deserveth God's wrath and curse, both in this life and in that which is to come. Question 89 delivers very bad news to humanity. And then we are dealing with question 90, which really answers this question, is there any hope for us sinners? And it brings good news, saying, to escape the wrath and curse of God due to us for sin, God requireth us faith in Jesus Christ, repentance unto life, with the diligent use of all the outward means whereby Christ communicated to us the benefits of redemption. Now you can see that we're going to pick that statement 
the answer of question 90 apart, uh, line by line. And we're going to begin by asking what is meant by faith in Jesus Christ. So let us consider the way that our catechism defines faith in Jesus Christ. Notice, first of all, that it is not faith that saves us. Did you hear that? It is not faith that saves us, but it is faith in Jesus Christ. I think the world needs to hear that message today. There's a lot of talk of faith in the generic. In fact, Barb and I were just talking about that in between services, weren't we? There's a lot of talk about the importance of faith, belief in God, family, family values, you know, in the world today. It is not faith that saves us. It is faith in a particular subject, faith in a particular person. It is faith in Jesus Christ that saves. Many people in this world have faith in something. In fact, I would argue that all people have faith in something. But saving faith is faith in Jesus, for He is the Savior that God has provided for us, that is to say, for humanity. He is the Christ or Messiah. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is the only mediator between God and men. He is the man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. That is 1 Timothy 2, 5 through 6. And Jesus himself claimed to be the only way to the Father, saying, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is John 14, 16. So then, the forgiveness of sins does not come to us through generic and undefined faith but through faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Two, notice that our catechism calls faith in Jesus Christ a saving grace. It is said to be saving, for it is through faith in Jesus Christ that we come to be forgiven and saved from the penalty that is due to us for sin. And it is called a grace because faith is a gift from God. Faith is something that you and I exercise. It is something that you and I do. You and I must place our faith in Jesus Christ to be saved from our sins. But the faith that you and I have, that is to say our ability to trust in Christ, is a gift from God. And we must never forget this. Even our ability to trust in Jesus is a gift from God. We believe in Christ. By God's grace alone. This is what the scriptures so clearly teach. First of all, the scriptures teach that God has predestined some to salvation from before the creation of the world. You may see this in Ephesians chapters 1 and 2. Two, the scriptures teach that God's elect come to be saved only through faith in Jesus Christ. So, to be saved, there must be this faith in the heart. We must Believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. We must confess him as Lord. Three, the scriptures teach that men and women, boys and girls, will come to faith in Jesus only through the hearing of the word of God. You may see Romans 10, 17, uh, to see this truth presented so clearly. How do people come to be saved? It is, it is through the hearing of the word of God. And how are they going to hear unless someone preaches here on summarizing this passage for you. It's a beautiful passage. And how is someone going to preach unless they are sent? You know, so there is this progression in order for people to be saved. Those who have been called to proclaim the gospel must be sent to them. 
so that they might hear to the salvation of their souls. Lastly, the scriptures teach that in order for someone to believe, God must give them new life, open their blind eyes, and draw them inwardly by His Spirit. The scriptures talk about this drawing or inward calling in many ways. For now, consider what Jesus said to the multitude that came out to Him in the wilderness. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus is saying that although all of you have followed me out into the wilderness, and although all of you have listened to my teaching, not one of you will be able, not one of you will have the ability to come to me and to believe upon me to the salvation of your, of your souls, unless the Father who sent me draws you. That was Jesus' clear teaching as recorded in John 6, 44. So in order for someone to be saved, in order for someone to have faith, there must be this external call. What is the external call of God? Does anyone want to say? We're in a more casual environment here, it feels like, so I'll ask you. What is the external call? You know it. Okay, so it is the preaching of the gospel. A preacher stands up and... With his voice, he declares the word of God, and you hear it with your your physical ears. Um, In fact, everyone in a given setting, a given room, if the gospel is preached, they will be called by God externally, so long as they have the capacity to hear with their physical ears. What is the internal call of God, though? It is a different kind of call. What is it? It is effectual. It is regeneration. It is the working of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit calls inwardly. So in order for someone to to have faith to the salvation of their souls, they must be called both externally, they must hear the gospel proclaimed, and they must be called inwardly. And here, when our catechism refers to faith as a saving grace, it is helping us to remember all of that. That if you believe in Jesus, it's only because God has given you this gift. He has called you externally. He has sent someone to preach the gospel to you at some time. Maybe you've heard it many times from many different people over the course of many years. But in addition to that, God has also called you inwardly. He has drawn you to himself by the working of the Holy Spirit. You were dead and he made you alive. You were blind. He gave you sight to see, spiritually speaking. Right? You were deaf and he unstopped your ears. And so faith here, that is... This trusting in Jesus is called a saving grace. Faith in Jesus Christ is a saving grace. Three, the third point of this little sermon, whereby we receive and rest upon him alone for salvation. And so here, faith is defined. Uh, What is faith exactly? Well, faith is a, a receiving and resting upon Jesus for salvation. What do we do when we place our faith in Jesus? One, we receive Jesus Christ. In what sense do we receive Jesus Christ when we believe in Him? Well, we receive Him in that we welcome Him as our Savior and Lord. More than this, the Scriptures teach that we are united to Jesus by faith. To have faith in Christ means that we are in Him. Read the New Testament and just look for that little phrase, in Him, sometime. It's all over the place, especially in Paul's writings. We are united to Him by faith. We are in Him. And more than this, the Scriptures teach that when we place our faith in Christ, He is in us by His Spirit. 
You may read about this in John chapters 15, 16, and 17. To have faith in Jesus is not to trust in a distant and far-off figure. No, instead, it is to receive Christ, to know Him, and to commune with Him by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I do love the choice of words here. When we have faith in Christ, we receive Him. Two, when we place our faith in Jesus, we rest upon Him. I wonder if you could remember things that I have taught in the past regarding the components of true saving faith. Those who are in that introduction to the Christian faith class with me will probably remember this because I presented this teaching not too long ago. I, I, I have taught in the past that true saving faith involves three things. Knowledge, assent, and trust. Have you ever heard this teaching before? In the past, I've referred to it as a three-legged stool. Others have used this illustration before. And if one of the legs of the stool is, is, is not present, the stool will not stand. It, it will not be able to, to bear your weight. It will fall over. And so it is with true saving faith. It has these three components to it, these three aspects, knowledge, assent, and trust. To have true and saving faith, we must know certain things. And that ties into what I was saying at the introduction to this little lesson here. Um, you have to establish foundational truths before you can even begin to comprehend what faith is and why faith in Jesus Christ is necessary. And so to have true and saving faith, we must know certain things. And not only must we know them in the mind, we must assent to these truths. In other words, we must not only say, I know what the Bible teaches, but I believe that what the Bible teaches is true. I must assent to this truth. And also, we must trust in the Jesus that is presented to us in, in the Holy Scriptures. We must trust in Jesus. Trust is what our catechism is referring to with the word rest. To, to trust in Jesus is to to rest in Him. To trust in Him is to, to fall into Him and to depend upon Him for salvation. I, I wonder how many people know what the Bible teaches and even with their lips and with their mind in an intellectual kind of way might even say, it is true. But they lack trust within their heart. Can you see how that would be possible? It, it is possible. They, they might confess that Jesus is the Son of God incarnate. They might confess that God is triune. They might confess that Jesus is the Savior that God has sent. But in their hearts, they do not depend upon Him. Somehow they have misunderstood the Gospel somewhat, or in their pride they have decided to trust in themselves. That Galatians passage I just read a moment ago speaks to it, doesn't it? Um, Paul is saying, listen, not even we Jews rely upon the works of the law to be justified. Those who are elect from amongst even the Jews know that we cannot be saved through keeping the law of Moses. But we know that salvation is by God's grace alone and it's received by faith alone. I've added to Paul's words there, but what I have said is true. He teaches that in other places. And so to have Christ as our Savior, we must trust in Him. We must rest in Him. Trust is a vital component of saving faith. Three, notice the word alone in this phrase, whereby we receive and rest upon Him alone for salvation. 
Faith in Jesus Christ is a saving grace, and it is a resting upon Jesus, and we are to rest in Him alone. So this is an all-or-nothing proposition. If we wish to be saved, then we must trust in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of our sins. We must go all in, as it were. It will not do to say, I believe in Jesus, but I also believe in myself and in my own obedience and good works. There are actually many religious people alive in the world today who talk in that very way. They would claim to be Christians, but if you were to analyze their understanding of the gospel, you would see that they do this very thing. They make this very error. They think that they are to depend upon Jesus up to a point, but the rest depends upon them. It depends upon their obedience. If this is what you think, then it reveals that you have not understood the gospel. You have not understood those other truths that I've mentioned earlier concerning God, man, sin, and salvation in Christ Jesus. To have Jesus as Lord and Savior means that we have abandoned all hope and other things. In Christ alone, our hope is found. The fourth and final phrase in this answer to question 91 is, as he is offered to us in the gospel. This phrase is so important, for it roots our faith in Jesus Christ in the word of God. If you wish to be saved, then you must trust in the Jesus of the scriptures. That is the Jesus of the gospel. And this should be obvious to all. It will do you no good to claim to have faith in Jesus Christ, but to believe things concerning him, his person and work that are contrary to the word of God. For example, some in this world claim to believe in Jesus Christ, but they think and teach that he is the half-brother of Satan. Just as an obvious and extreme example, they say with their lips the same words that we say, the sound is the same. Jesus Christ, they claim to believe in him, but they are badly mistaken concerning his person, and the same group that I am referring to without naming them, are badly mistaken concerning uh, his work as well. And so do they have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Certainly not. Though they utter the same sounds with their lips and pronounce the name Jesus Christ, they do not have the Jesus Christ of Holy Scripture. They have another who is no Savior at all. Others claim to believe in Jesus but view him only as a great teacher. They deny that he is the eternal Son of God come in the flesh. Other examples can be given, but I think these examples are sufficient to demonstrate that it does no good to hijack the name. It does no good to pronounce the name in the same way that you and I do, but to have a Christ that is substantially different from the Christ of Scripture. No, if we wish to be saved, then we must have faith in Jesus Christ, and not just any Jesus Christ, but the Jesus Christ of Holy Scripture. In other words, to be saved, we must hear, receive, and believe the gospel which is the good news contained within the Holy Bible. Aren't you grateful for this teaching, brothers and sisters? Some of you are looking at me, and I know you've been in the church a long time, and you seem very interested in this teaching, even still. The gospel never gets old, does it? And even though these things are a reminder to many of you, I can see that you are happy to have them proclaimed publicly on the Lord's Day in this systematic way. I'm happy to do it and to be a part of a church that cares to have it done. May we be faithful to proclaim this good news to the world around us and especially to our own family. May we implore people to believe in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. May we implore people to believe in Him 
to escape the wrath and curse that is due to us for sin. And may we teach them what faith in Jesus Christ is. Faith in Jesus Christ is a saving grace whereby we receive and rest upon him alone for salvation as he is offered to us in the gospel. Let's bow for a little prayer and we'll sing again. Our Father in heaven, I do pray that the Christian faith would be faithfully proclaimed in this world. In this congregation for generations to come and more and more congregations throughout this country and world, I pray that this gospel would be proclaimed in our homes too. So do help the parents of this church to exhort their children to believe upon Jesus. We pray that you would give them the gift of faith. And help us to proclaim this gospel to the world too. Lord, we know that get left to ourselves, uh, this gospel message would not succeed. It would sound only as foolishness to the world who is perishing. But we know that you have determined to call sinners to yourself by your word and spirit. And so we are confident that this gospel will succeed, that your word will not return void, that your kingdom will advance, that your church will certainly be built, that gates of hell will not prevail against it. We thank you for these things in the name of Christ Jesus, our Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.